It's so good to be together. Uh, it is good to be here in uh, God's house with you, uh, doing some of the things that we're going to do tonight. Tonight is a, a member meeting where we're going to focus on looking back at the last year. We're going to celebrate the goodness of God, the provision of God. This has been a really significant year. And if if you, well, you don't need your Bibles, but if you have a Bible and just love to read with me when you read, you could open your Bibles to Joshua 4. Uh, but I'm going to read a very memorable passage of Scripture from the Old Testament and then pray. And as I've been thinking about this evening, and specifically um, as Brad has been working with us to uh, curate these spaces around membership, and I'm going to say more about that in a few minutes, um, the, the theme tonight was about uh, looking back and celebrating about thinking about what God has done. And my mind went to this passage of scripture, which I'm going to read. And then I'm just going to share a few things from my heart and then name some, um, what I think are, are really significant things that have happened in the life of our church this year. So I'm going to, I'm going to read. When the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, select 12 men from the people, one from each tribe and command them, take 12 stones from here, out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood, carry them over with you and lay them down in the place where you camp tonight. And then Joshua summoned the 12 men from the Israelites whom he had appointed, one from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder. So these are, these are big rocks. One for each of the tribes of the Israelites, so that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I, I ask you to help us tonight to do some remembering uh, for Trinity, uh, that we would in our own respect, pile up some stones that we could look back at and point to. But I also pray, God, that you would speak something to each and every one of us about the importance of remembering in our own life, in our own faith, in our own intimate relationships. God, I pray that you would help us to be better at remembering, God. Father, we're so thankful for the instruction that you gave to our forebears in the Jewish family that you, you taught them to live in the present with an eye toward the future. And Lord, in a, in a world, in, a, in an era, space where we are overwhelmed with information and prone to forget, prone to anxiety, uh, prone to fear, prone to succumbing to the uncertainties out in front of us, I pray that you would teach us how to put rocks in the yard that we would remember. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So in my office, um, just down in the other building, I, I have um, a small assortment of rocks. Um, rocks where uh, I was in spaces of turmoil or uncertainty and experienced God. One of them I picked up off the beach in a place called Lindisfarne, uh, which is uh, an island off the north coast of England. And Lindisfarne is this ancient place. It's a, a beautiful place. It's a tidal island. It's where St. Aidan and St. Cuthbert lived. And uh, when the Vikings, so for those of you who like, you know, 
morbid violence, things like that. Uh, Lindisfarne was where the Vikings landed in, in one of their first incursions into the UK and just massacred these priests living at a monastery there. And I was at Lindisfarne right before uh, the pandemic, liter literally just a few months before. And I was leading a, a spiritual retreat and um, now where I sit, in my life, I can look back at that time that was like late fall, right before um, March of, of the pandemic that year, like three, four months ahead. And I can see that when I was walking along that beach, um, some of the turmoil that would ultimately come to fruition in me um, was brewing. It was already cooking and I wasn't aware of it at the time. At that time, I was just walking on this beach leading a spiritual retreat. And here's a pro tip for you. If you're ever not in a great place and you're leading a spiritual retreat, just give people lots of space for silence and solitude. It was amazing. So I was basically worn out, burned out, afraid, churned up. And so I said to this group of doctoral students, I was doing some lecturing over there. I said, we're going to just spend the next five hours like alone. We're just going to spread out across this whole island. And so there I was, I found myself walking alone on this beach, and I was crying out to God and I was like, God, I don't know where my life is headed. I don't know where our church's life is headed. I don't know if I can even serve in ways that I want to be able to serve. And when I was in this place of uncertainty, asking these big questions of God, I, I looked down and I saw uh, this rock and it's, it's on my windowsill. I picked it up. And in that moment, I felt like I received a measure of clarity from God. And I knew that I would get back into real life and my tendency would be to forget. Your tendency is to leak clarity, to lose it. What's true on, on a beach in a place where Christians have been praying the hours for 1400 years doesn't feel as true in traffic, in conflict, in the busyness of life. And so what I did was I brought that rock back and there were more than a few occasions after I came back from that um, excruciating four months away where I would sit in that office by myself feeling totally lost, totally confused, totally depleted. And I would just pick that rock up and I would hold it in my hand. And I would just turn it over and over and over and over because what the rock was telling me was I want you to remember in the valley what was true to you on the mountaintop, or I want you to remember in the struggle that which was true to you in a moment of reprieve. And I just don't think we remember well. I think it's one of the reasons why as a society, we're so prone to um, turning on one another and we're so prone increasingly to tribalism where we just divide off and break off because we just don't oftentimes remember that we're a part of a bigger story, that we're a part of something that is way bigger than us. And so tonight, we're gonna to point to some of the rocks of faithfulness, the, the stones piled up that are true about Trinity. And I just wanna say this to you, as we do that, I just wanna call you as your pastor to intentionally remember. And I, I'm not gonna get into all the the theories around why it's true, but, but I think it is true. We are genetically disposed 
to remember bad things more than we are to remember really good and beautiful things. I just think it's true. And it's because, you know, like a flower isn't going to kill you necessarily, but a lion lurking in the bushes might kill you. And so we're like hardwired to be looking for the lions and sometimes walk right past the flowers. And it's fascinating to me that before any kind of social scientist would say something like that, God instructs a group of people who are about to walk through an impossible barrier, a river. And, and what he says to them is this, I want you to not just pass through the barrier. I want you to stop in the middle and I want you to put your hands on something that you would never have been able to access, right? A rock at the bottom of a river. You can't get to that. And I want you to pick it up and I want you to move forward with it and I want you to put it down so that when you forget, you'll be able to look at it and say, we should have never been able to get our hands on that rock. When your kids say, is this all worth caring about? You can say, let me take you to a place where we saw something and experienced something and picked something up that we would have never had access to. And I just want to say, I think that there are rocks like that in all of our lives. I think there are rocks like that piled up around the kingdom of God. I think that we have to do a better job, though, in our own orbit of trying to remember, of memorializing. Because I'm just going to tell you, you forget. We forget. I forget. And the Lord says, I know you forget, and I want to help you remember. So tonight, we're going to try to remember. Um, is there a QR code um, somewhere? I, again, just until recently felt like these were probably the mark of the beast, but I think that Ben has made one and sure it should be one at some point. Um, come up, I think, I hope. Ben, you did do one of those, right? So Marty's, Marty's going to find it. Okay, it's not a QR code. Those are demonic. You have to go to atltrinity.org report. Is that right, Ben? Okay, there it is. No more demonic QR codes. Kidding, they're not. I'm 48 years old. It is what it is. So if you go to this, you'll find an amazing celebration, a memorial of all the great things that God has done. And I'm just going to run through a couple of them so that we can remember what happened over the last year in this worshiping community. We celebrated our 20th birthday, which I can tell you felt like more of an accomplishment than we could have ever imagined. We had no idea that this church would be around as long as it has, and yet we have. And all these people came, people who had moved on, who had moved to different churches, who'd moved even to different cities. Some of them came back. My dead grandmother, I think, was very proud. It felt almost like a Baptist homecoming, and I was very, very happy to be a part of it. Um, that was supposed to be a joke. I mean, she is dead. She is with the Lord. Thank you. Um, maybe the biggest thing we did, and Marty, if you can put them up, our core commitments, we as a team, a senior leadership team, and then our ministry leadership team, and then our staff, and then our vestry together, we articulated these five core commitments. And I just want to say that of all the things that we've done in the last number of years, um, I am personally more thankful for, more proud of, in a good Christian sort of way, um, of this work. Because what this does is it clarifies our purpose, our reason for existing. We exist to be a joyful community of disciples, people who are following Jesus. And these are the commitments 
that by God's grace, we're going to hang our hat on. We're going to measure ourselves by. We're going to be accountable to, not just to the commitments, but to you, to our vestry, to do the work that God's called us to do. And over the next um, period of time, you're going to see things like this make their way onto our walls. Um, this is going to be visible. We've been working and working and working so that we would get it just like we felt like the Lord wanted us to have it. And these five core commitments, y'all, are something that I think are going to be so animating, so significant for the life of our church. And I can't think of a bigger accomplishment, actually. And it took a host of people. It took a team of people over a year wrestling through who is God really calling us to be and how do we articulate those things. Thanks be to God for that work. We have 600 people in neighborhood groups right now. Um, and just as a point of reference, before the pandemic, we had about 300 people in neighborhood groups and our church was significantly larger in terms of average Sunday attendance. So whenever you see your church shrink and yet the number of people in groups double, that's good math. That's like a good, a good equation. That's a good rhythm. And so we have so many of our people who are in neighborhood groups. We have over 400 people who are volunteering and leading and serving our church and teams. 190 volunteers just in kids ministry alone. Our church is stepping up to the plate and doing things that are absolutely significant. I am so thankful and proud of the fact that we had a deficit in kids ministry and we told you about it and now we don't. I mean, it's amazing. I think it would be harder, more and more difficult to say that this is a consumeristic place after looking at what God's done over the last 12 to 16 months. This church has turned a huge corner in terms of ownership and shared life and participation, and you're going to hear more of that. We have over 300 kids in weekly participation at our church. We gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars to alle alleviating medical debt in this church. We launched Church of the Incarnation, a church plant, has become a fully-fledged church plant over the last year. We hosted a consecration of a bishop here at Trinity. We had formation events and conferences throughout the year. You'll see more of that as you look at not a QR code, but at the other thing that's on our website. Um, and last but not least, we made some amazing hires. I, I think Adrian and Nate have been here for maybe slightly more than a year, but I still want to count you again in this year because the two of them and our senior leadership team have just done unbelievable work in leading ministry. Um, unbelievable work. Katie O.C., a later addition, and you are just a treasure to our church as a kids pastor. You are uh, bringing life and energy and vision to our church, and I just could not be more thankful for the leadership that you bring. Amazing. And she ran a sub 10 minute average mile uh, marathon in Chicago last week. I'm just saying, I know that's embarrassing, but it's true. God's done amazing things. We have a host of other hires that you'll see. I think we even have a slide at some point maybe, and I know it was in the pre-service thing around a lot of different people working in various areas like kids ministry and support, different things. Uh, the Lord has been so kind and so good, and I'm just so thankful for the leadership that God has brought. But last but not least, I want to say this. Um, well, two, two things. Um, Marty and Sarah and our worship group uh, created three albums this last year. One was a 20th birthday. One was a solo project that Marty did called Midnight Pilgrim that is just so beautiful and so atmospheric. It's amazing. You should listen to it. And then the other one just dropped called Simple Prayers that Lori Yauk and Marty and Sarah just put 
into the world. And y'all, I just want to tell you, it's beautiful. And it's not, it, kids are going to like it, but it's not just for kids. This is an amazing thing. We've got so much talent in this church and they're actually creating cultural goods that I think are going to make a difference in the world. And, and the last thing I want to say is this. Um, we, we hit pause on how to do membership. Uh, when the pandemic hit. We just felt like we were treading water trying to keep our heads above the water. And over the last number of months, we have reawakened this idea of membership and we've invited Brad Malden to be a person who would be a kind of curator and a point person. So you're gonna be, um, Brad put together a lot of the flow of tonight. Um, Brad is going to be a person on our staff that's going to be communicating to members, going to be um, keeping you up to date, gonna be helping us be more engaged with you and you more engaged with us. And we're just so hopeful and excited about what God's going to do as we move forward. So thank you for letting me remember a little bit, and I pray and hope that in your own journey that you will do some remembering in your own right as we go forward. Good evening. My name is Nate Smith, and I serve as executive pastor here at Trinity. Uh, but one year ago today, that wasn't the case. Uh, one year ago today was my last day at CDC. And they never clap for me like this. So, um, I am looking back over this last year and so thankful for the tremendous blessing the way the Lord has uh, encouraged me and my family here. And I want to thank you all for receiving us so well. I've learned in new ways that the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is our shepherd, and we shall not be in want. And um, as we look back over the, this past year, I want to share with you a few of the ways in which the Lord has blessed us tremendously. Um, may I have the first slide, please? <laughs> One of the tremendous ways that the Lord has blessed us is through people. We have five new vestry members who joined us this year. Susan Barber, who is serving as senior ward, our junior warden. David Wright, who has the lofty title of chancellor, which means he gives us free legal advice. Uh, Kelly Walters as secretary. And then Joe Hostetler and Maggie Morris, who are bringing their expertise to our finance team. I've really enjoyed working closely with them. So let's, uh, one more round of applause for our new vestry members. Another the way that the Lord has blessed us tremendously this last year is new staff. In addition to myself, uh, I have up here 10, 10, new, 10 staff who are either new or have significantly changed roles here in the last year. Allie, Amanda, Ashlyn, Joe, uh, and then a couple of Katie's. And then our Katie count is up to three. Uh, maybe we'll get to four. This, four. Oh yes, four, okay. We'll just keep on going. Uh, Luke, Maurice, Stephanie, and Susan. So let's have a big round of applause for these folks. And um, great. Okay, um, I have personally been blessed not just by the the other newcomers uh, to the staff this year, but by our, our tremendous staff that we have had here for many years. And 
one who's been a particular blessing to me is Ben Parks. Ben, are you going to come up? Uh, if you go online to this annual report, I think it is uh, will really please you. Um, and I'm going to have Ben uh, say a few words about that and maybe some other things communication-wise. Hey, y'all. <clears throat> I'm uh, Ben, the communications director here uh, at the church. And on Thursday when Nate and I met, I was like, you know, you should mention this. And uh, don't forget to mention this and whatever. And he said, maybe I'll just call on you and make me do it. So here I am. Um, uh, one thing, you know, Chris already touched on it. Um, membership, you know, means a lot here. And we want to do a good job of communicating to you guys and keeping members, you know, in the loop and connected. And one thing we've done this year is put together this report, and I hope you'll check it out, um, just to celebrate a little bit deeper um, all the things that have happened this last year. There's a lot that we can say tonight, uh, but even more that you can read there. Um, some pictures and some fun stats, and I hope you'll check it out. Um, and then one other thing is we're using Planning Center more and more now, and there's a directory um, that we're going to invite you to. So this week you'll get an email from us that I'll have kind of a recap of tonight, but also invite you to uh, share your information so we can be more connected and you'll be able to uh, share your picture, your email address and stuff. And so we'll be able to connect with one another and you'll be able to look up somebody's name, the person that you're afraid to, uh, that you've met several times here, but you're afraid to uh, ask them what their name is, you'll be able to look them up. Um, and it's, uh, we take privacy serious, so you'll be able to share what you want to and it's totally opt-in. So we hope you'll do that. Uh, I think that's it. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. It took a lot of persuading to get Ben to come up here, so <laughs> thank you. Um, have the next slide, please. Um, some highlights uh, for this uh, past year, the way the Lord has blessed us. Average Sunday attendance this last year, around 990, um, and that includes over 600 adults and over 300 kids and youth uh, each Sunday. So very thankful to the Lord for that. Um, and the next slide. Um, one of the things that we did this year um, that I'm also thankful for is strategic planning. And back in May, we uh, had a three-day uh, planning session. I'm not going to say it was a retreat because we all worked and we didn't go anywhere. Um, but we had our ministry leadership team and then our entire staff and some members of our vestry come and join us and did some real foundational work identifying our situation and our, uh, how we can live into these core commitments. And we directly connected with our core commitments and coming up with our strategic priorities. And we, um, we did some groundwork that will help our strategic planning for several years, not just for this year. Um, but our strategic plan uh, for this year, you can um, find that will uh, connect you directly to our strategic plan, which is online. Um, if I can have the next slide. Um, it wasn't just a three-day thing. We've been then for the next four or five months, we've been fleshing out this plan. We have five goal uh, strategic priorities and each of them have multiple goals underneath them and this is something that we revisit at every one of our ministry leadership team meetings to see how we're doing and we will be able to report back to you what we're able to accomplish this year with the Lord's help 
but the five strategic priorities. One is spiritual direction, mentorship, and story work all together as a cluster. The second is age and stage connections. Um, and uh, go to the strategic plan and you'll see some of the goals under that. Uh, C is neighborhood groups for spiritual formation, emotional health, spiritual conversations. D, art as ministry, which uh, came up as a really important value for us here. And then um, the final one, connecting people to partnerships and ministries. And um, again, looking in faith to what the Lord will do over this next year. Can I have the next slide, please? This is uh, the same graph that we showed at the, um, at the church-wide meeting uh, last year. So we'll take a second chance to explain this. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who love graphs, uh, this is the only one that you're going to get tonight. <laughs> for those of you who don't like graphs, this is the only one you're going to have to see tonight. That top line there is our revenue projection for this year. That was what we are trusting the Lord to provide. And then we have two colored lines there. The um, green one was this past fiscal year, uh, fiscal year uh, 2023. And then the, the blue one or purple one um, is the year before, uh, 2022. And um, uh, at our last, uh, at our churchwide meeting, we showed that and we were lagging behind for this year, behind uh, last uh, year. And as you can see, we had a, a really strong end to the, to the year in terms of giving, and we, um, we actually uh, caught up to the previous year and actually slightly exceeded our, our target for, uh, for giving and revenue for this year. So we're really thankful for that. The Lord has provided. And thank you all. Looking ahead to our budget for this coming year, our revenue projection is similar to what it's been the last two years, about 3.7 million. And this is how we've divided it up. Now, um, I need to mention that with the strategic planning and all the energy around ministry and things of that sort, um, when we ask our team for their budget request for this year, uh, they came back with something like 4.5 million in requests. And so um, with a budget of 3.7, we uh, there's some things that we uh, had to uh, cut down, some things that we had to defer, uh, some things that we just had to um, uh, figure out how we're going to do without as much um, funding for this year. Um, but what we do have in there is um, it's, it's, it's lean and mean, I guess you could say, and uh, I think we're going to really be able to make an impact for the kingdom this year. But this is how it breaks down, 56% directly towards ministry. We have 10% uh, for outreach and benevolence, um, building and maintenance, 12%, uh, which is actually pretty low for a, a building this size, and then 22% for admin and operations. And um, uh, if there's more questions or you need more details, uh, just email uh, me at uh, nate at atltrinity.org uh, and we'll get your questions answered. Um, and now what I'd love to do is uh, turn it over to our senior warden, Barrett Grant, uh, to give a little bit of a perspective update from the vestry perspective. <laughs> That's a 
All right, well, that's the most excitement that's going to happen in the next five minutes. Uh, I didn't even know I had a slide, but I don't have any slides other than that slide. Um, <laughs> but I guess I don't need to introduce myself. Um, I am Barrett. I do have the privilege of serving as senior warden of our vestry. If both of those terms are unfamiliar to you, you're in good company. Those are just uh, kind of crazy Anglican terms. Uh, but it's a, essentially, the vestry functions a lot like a board of directors. And so in the Anglican world, the vestry is tasked with the temporal matters of the church. And so think about things like um, finance, budget, uh, real estate transactions, legal work, that sort of thing. So that is our primary role. And yet Chris and the senior leadership team has asked us over the last three years uh, to press into other areas of the church. And so Brad asked if I would come and just give a little bit of an update and perspective from the vestry, uh, how we feel like the church is doing and kind of where we're headed. And so what I would tell you is that uh, resoundingly, uh, we are very encouraged and optimistic about where Trinity is headed, especially out of what has been a tough season, uh, not just here, but obviously globally. Um, so overall, super excited. Um, you know, as I think about the things that are most encouraging to me, we obviously didn't check each other's notes because they're very similar, but I kind of think about three things. And so the first is the staff. And we truly, it cannot be said enough, have a tremendous staff. Uh, if you are here last week, you got to hear Susan and I uh, stand up and acknowledge them. And our staff deserves more than just one Sunday. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. They deserve more than just a month to be acknowledged. And so I'd encourage you, if you know staff or if you don't know them, uh, to find a way in the next couple weeks and just encourage them to thank them for what they do. I think that that is one of the greatest strengths of Trinity, especially in this season. Uh, another thing is our membership, all of us. Um, you know, I think that though numbers have been down and they're growing back up, uh, I see a lot of growth in our membership that's not uh, directly tied to attendance. Attendance is up, uh, but the growth in uh, just the way that people are engaging with one another and pursuing the Lord through uh, neighborhood groups or story groups, uh, service, uh, has been really, really encouraging to the vestry, but also to the staff. This is a monumental task to run a church our size, and so to have a membership that's engaged uh, really uh, breathes a lot of life into our staff. Um, and then the third thing is the work around the five core commitments. And so uh, that is where Chris and the senior leadership team led the way and yet asked the vestry to come in and at least be a sounding board. Um, that vision work, Chris has already mentioned it, and I would echo is some of the most meaningful work uh, that's been done at Trinity in the last number of years. And what it does is it gives us a framework uh, to evaluate what we do uh, moving forward, how the Lord's leading us, where he's calling us to put our time and our talent and our treasures. And so those three things uh, are things that as a vestry, we are really encouraged by. Um, as I mentioned though, our primary function is around the temporal matters, and of all of those, chief among those would be the numbers, the budget, the things that uh, Nate just talked about. And so over the last number of months, our finance team and our vestry have worked alongside uh, Nate and Joe Longos. I don't know if Joe's here, but he is our financial controller. He is one of the two nin 10 new hires that we had. Um, and he comes from a very prolific business background and is able to help us 
think about the church in a way that we can steward our resources. Uh, and so that work has been really encouraging. Honestly, you saw the graph, you see uh, how uh, people have given sacrificially and how the Lord has met our needs. And so uh, as a body that's tasked with making sure that the church is on firm financial foundation, it's encouraging that we are. And so to all of you, you should be encouraged by that, especially in a season where a lot of churches are not uh, and finances are really a tough thing for a lot of churches. Unfortunately, here at Trinity, we are in a good spot. And yet, as Nate mentioned, you know, in conjunction with the five core commitments and the strategic planning and having both new staff and old staff who have this revitalized vision for what the Lord may be leading us into, there's a lot of excitement and a lot of ideas that the Lord's given our staff of things they'd like to do. Uh, to the tune of, uh, if you're you know, back of the napkin math, seven dollars $800,000. Um, and so as I've thought about that, and as we went through the budget season, we had to make some hard decisions, and yet it was never contentious, and it wasn't something that felt uh, like a downer. Um, you know, it felt like just an opportunity for us as a body to think about that. Uh, I thought, as I was kind of like reconciling this in my mind, I thought about the parable of the talents, and so very familiar parable to all of us. The master goes away and he has three servants that he calls to him and he entrusts to one ten, to one five, and to another one, one talent. And the first two take the ten and the five respectively and they go and they invest it while the master's gone. And when he comes back, they have a lot to show for it and the master's pleased by that. And then the last servant takes the one and he's driven by fear and scarcity mentality and he buries it. Uh, and that obviously does not elicit the same response from the master. And a lot of times in my own life, I focus on the one, and I think about how do I avoid doing that? Um, and I think there's probably some wisdom in that. I think Jesus is probably telling that lesson, but I think in this season for our church, there's an opportunity to think about and dream about and focus on the five and the 10, uh, and to think about that in conjunction with this vision that, the Holy Spirit's given our staff. Um, so as we move forward and as we seek to be faithful stewards, just I would ask all of us to ask the Holy Spirit, how might he have us use our time and our talents and our treasures as he continues to move in a really cool way through Trinity? So thank you all so much. Brad? Keep it going for a minute because I don't know what that's from. Oh, The Hobbit. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Dave, I like how you knew that instantly. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, <laughs> Marty, you brought your A game. I love it. Um, two things. One, before I jump into the kind of framing the, this next part, which is really about celebration, celebration of mission, um, want to highlight. First, um, we accidentally did not include the fellows in our new hires on those 10 people. So we actually have 12. Uh, Katie Watford, who's sitting right here. Um, and Howie Duffin, who is our British uh, friend, I think he's in like Turkey or something. Um, not, he'll be on his way. Um, they are part of our staff. They came in in June. And y'all, if you haven't gotten to know them, they are remarkable humans uh, who are in the process of discerning a potential call to ministry. And y'all, Katie and Howie, somewhere out there is... Uh, just a huge gift to our church and part of the excitement, I think, of, of the season that we're in. The second thing 
which I think is perfect for a member meeting. Um, I don't think everybody heard that it's David uh, Wright's birthday today. So um, I think I think this is probably his definition of misery, um, is to be called out for that. Um, I won't sing happy birthday to you. Marty would. I knew it. So good, <laughs> Chancellor Wright. We will uh, keep we'll keep that going, um, y'all. But what I think just what a perfect embodiment of what the point of these meetings are, which is about family, uh, and we are a family. And there's uh, who knows what our member list actually is in terms of real time at this point because we are one of the tasks I have um, is to sort through that and to figure out over the past. 20 years as people have been added to that list, um, how do we make that list more refined uh, so it has a purpose to it? Um, because membership is, uh, is the, the, the key uh, to our growth, to living in our mission. Uh, people can show up on Sunday, and that's a good thing. It's celebratory. Uh, but when we talk about membership, we're talking about family, and we're talking about this sense of togetherness, this shared mission of moving forward together. And that cannot be underestimated uh, in terms of the power and the potential it has for change and transformation here in the, the walls of Trinity and then beyond the walls of Trinity, right? Like if we are all pointed in the same direction and moving in the same direction and have a shared understanding of not only what the direction is, but the purpose of that direction, y'all, God can do remarkable things. And the core of that is that we are both experiencing that in our own lives with the Lord, and then we are experiencing that together. And that's what I'm so excited about these core commitments is that it's the beginning of a shared language and a shared understanding of what it is that we are doing together, right? Like to grow in likeness, amen to that. To be a joyful community of disciples, uh, amen to that. But to do that in these ways and to specify those ways, and to specify that we're going to do these things together, we're going to grow together, Ben and your team, to give us visuals and understanding of how to live into those things, y'all. That's just like teaching 101. It's a remarkable way for us to rally around what we do together. And so what we want to do tonight at this meeting in October every year is to celebrate how we've seen God at work in these spaces over the past 12 months. What we want to do the next member meeting we gather together in February is we're going to call each other towards a deeper investment in this mission, right? We're going to be able to say and ask together, God, how are you leading me to lean into these things? How are you aligning who I am and where I am and my own story with you and how are you grafting me into your story more deeply, more meaningfully, and how are you grafting us together into that story? And then in the summer, we're going to get together and we're just going to have fun together as a family. And so membership for me is something that I've been in staff now for 12 years. I've been at Trinity since 2006. And membership has been kind of what we would call a universal sense of membership, right? Like this is Jesus's church. Trinity does not own the church. This is Jesus's church. And as a believer, you are part of his church. But there is this call to raise your hand and say, I'm going to give myself to a local expression, right? Like I'm going to define that my feet are planted right here. And then I'm going to ask God with open hands to, to give me a vision, a sense of how my gifts and how I'm wired and who I am is meant to live into this community for the time being that it's meant to live in the community. And what we know is that we have to take our life with God seriously for that to bear fruit. And then we get to do that together, I think, is just such a beautiful picture of what the kingdom of God is about and what it's like. That we're never meant to do this thing on our own. We're not meant to go hide somewhere and experience something remarkable and then bury it 
like Barrett was talking about. There's a generative nature to the kingdom of God. I think the talents um, are, tell us a lot of things, but one of the key things I think that is spoken in that space is that what happens in the kingdom of God is a little becomes a lot, right? And that's all of us offering our little within the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the creator God, the God who can resurrect things, that is going to breathe new life into this place, into the places beyond us, that we can touch and lean into those spaces. Amen? Like, that is what we are about as a church. And that's what we, when I say we, that's us. Not our staff, our members, our family. And so excited tonight to be able to celebrate that. Um, and you can see the meaning of these things and live into these things. They'll live on our website. You can come back and you can visit them. And just personally, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm making this my rule of life. And so what I'm doing all the time is I'm asking myself, how, God, am I leaning into this in faithful ways? What ways do you want me to exercise some new muscles? Maybe what ways can I lay something down for a minute to be able to make space for something else? And so for me, there's this constant invitation to evaluate, to reflect, to try to better understand how the Holy Spirit's going to lead me into a deeper experience of him, to more inner healing and work within my own life so I can bear fruit in the lives around me, the meaningful in the space, the relationships that creates uh, the, the joy of life, right? Like a sense of community, the sense that my gifts have a purpose and they're part of something bigger than me. Y'all, these are the things that God is up to. And so, fo- so excited tonight to be able to just celebrate in three different ways. I'm going to say some stuff here. Addie's going to come up in a little bit and Dave's going to share. And we're going to try to hopefully in that space to anecdotally kind of capture these five truths in terms of our commitments. Um, it'll be scratching the surface for sure. Uh, there is some really good things happening in the life of the church. But tonight, what I want to be able to focus on is just this idea of generosity, uh, this idea of what God has been doing, especially in that fifth core commitment of participating in God's redemptive work. And so when we look at this first slide, Marty, hopefully it'll say, yes, love your neighbor. So excited, y'all, to be able to see what's happened in the past year. We've given over $700,000 away in 2023. So over the last 12 months, when our church is like Barrett and Nate alluded to, has been kind of flattening in the sense of the giving, even though the attendance has been going up, there was still this unbelievable generosity going on. Of that is the budget. And what we do is we commit 10% of our budget to give away. But on top of that was the RIP medical debt campaign, which was over $300,000 raised for that, which as you probably remember, uh, translated to about 58 million or $38 million of medical debt abolished for 58,000 people in the state of Georgia. Uh, since 2021, when we started that, um, it is uh, the equivalent of $77 million in debt canceled for over 87,000 people in our state, y'all. That is truly amazing. And then the other stat, and it's kind of arbitrary to think about 2020 as like a turning point in some ways, but I don't know if you remember, there's this thing called COVID that happened in 2020. Life did pivot, right? Like there is some difference between pre and post and that is true just throughout history, like monumental events. They are turning points for cultures and for communities. And this certainly one was for the United States, for the West, um, and particularly here at Trinity. And so for me, I was curious. And I was like, well, since 2020, when things did shift and pivot, what has our generosity been like? And you can see over there, I think it's somewhere around $3.2 million has been given away. So this is not the budget that pays for the, the 56% of ministry or the 12% on the building or the 22% of other expenses. This is just pure money that is given outside the walls of the church, which I think is just amazing to me. I mean, amen, that is such good news. 
So that's money and that's amazing. It's generosity. That's our, that's our opportunity to love our neighbor. But the thing I get even more excited about is this idea of partnerships and the partnerships that we've been able to develop over the years um, has been just such a gift to be able to see. And I just wanted to be able to point out these five different ways that I think I've seen in our partnerships bear fruit in the life of our community. This first is the idea of our building space. We often think of our building space as the place that we gather, right? We may learn. You may just be here. If you work at the church, you come. This is where you have office space. You may come and get a pastoral meeting in this space. Um, but our partnerships in particular have used our spaces in pretty remarkable ways. Consistently, our partnership with La Amistad, which is an after-school program to the Latino community here in the city, they have been using our space Monday through Thursday since 2015. Um, and so we have 20 plus children and plus about usually about five to seven volunteers every single afternoon from 3.30 to 5.30 in our space. In addition to that, our old warehouse space down in the kids and youth building, what the kids call the playroom, I think, uh, that um, thankfully is now caged off. But that has been a storage unit uh, for a partnership with Operation Feed ATL uh, since 2020. And it was a group of uh, parents, concerned parents from North Atlanta High School that when COVID began, uh, the lunch option for students, so that was their only meal, typically during the day, was gone. And so the city of Atlanta responded, or APS responded, by using the bus routes, I don't know if you remember this, to distribute food, but they overlooked the Northwest Cluster, which is what we're a part of. That meant the students who lived in the North Atlanta Cluster, which had been North Atlanta High School, Sutton Middle School, and about five elementary schools in this area, they were not receiving access to the food. And so these parents said, well, that's not okay. So they started distributing the food. They were the bus system for the community and the students in the North Atlanta cluster, and they needed a place to keep their food. And so my neighbor was friends with these people and said, well, my neighbor is a pastor. They may be interested or may be open to it. So they just cold called and asked if we'd be willing to do that. And I was like, heck yes, come on, bring that stuff. And so what we thought was like a three-month project has turned into a three-year a storage unit for food and food distribution. I know our youth and our kids have been able to pack food over the years uh, to be able to give food and to bring self, uh, shelf-stable food to families in our community who have otherwise not have access to it. And those are just two examples of the ways that I think our building space becomes a blessing, right? Like in a partnership way to the city, to things that are beyond just us, the people in this room. We have no idea that those things are happening. Um, but th th I mean, as, if you know anything about real estate in Atlanta right now, you know that uh, space is is, a pre is premium. And so we are located in an unbelievable spot in our city, both for the city of Atlanta, and if you say from Buckhead all the way to Bankhead, we are right in this, that, the, the, the middle of that space. In this building space, I have uh, prayers and big dreams um, that the way our space is seen and understood can be more than just uh, what it is to us in terms of the way it blesses us, but to be a blessing beyond uh, this particular community, I think, is something to be praying for. So that's our building spaces. Uh, mission trips, uh, we took trips down to the DR this year, uh, as, as we always have. We took youth down to Ecuador. Um, Dave and I are doing an experimental trip over Thanksgiving with our, our kids. Um, pray for us. Uh, we're going to take our children down there to experiment if we can do uh, a family-style trip, um, if it works, to take kids on these trips. Um, this, this weekend, right now, uh, there is another experimental trip going on with a ministry called Lighthouse. Uh, family ministries. If you know anything about them, they come alongside and serve families who are recovering and walking through cancer with their children. And what they do is they have retreats that they take these families out of their norm and they just bless the heck out of them and they spoil them, they have fun, and the whole family gets to be able to engage in those things. And this weekend we had an experiment with two families from our church who spent their weekend serving in Young Life property, um, some families. Um, so super excited about the way that 
from a missional perspective that we as a family get to engage in these things and be on the lookout for more opportunities for those things. Volunteering, um, cold weather and hygiene kits. Uh, we've had over 2,000 kits in the last year made um, in support of Lazarus. Cold weather kits that are distributed throughout the cold weather season, the hygiene kits that are distributed all throughout the year. Uh, Johnny Winkle, who's the executive director of Lazarus, said it does an amazing job of being able to thaw the ice in relationships. When you can walk up to somebody, ask them their story, sit with them for a while, and then at the end say, I just want to bless you with some things that I know that you could use. And to know that the hands in this family and this church put those together, I think, is, is exciting things. Um, we have uh, our weekly volunteering, uh, like I said earlier, with Lamy Stad, but we also have a ministry partnership with Paw Kids. If you're familiar with them, they're over in the English Avenue, Grove Park area. Um, weekly tutoring happens there from people in our church. Upper 90s is a soccer ministry, um, and we're giving that time and, and energy every single week uh, to be able to invest and mentor kids. We have faith and justice nights uh, about every, uh, uh, every quarter, maybe every other quarter at this point, where we create space like this to sit and to dig into deep, complex issues in our city as it relates to faith and justice. Things like housing, education, access to food, um, things that are really, really complex. And the question of how does the church engage in these spaces. We have a reconciliation council um, that you may not know about. This is a group of men and women who are committed to the idea that God's heart is for justice. That's not our idea. It's not a political idea. It's not a social idea. It is God's idea, um, a heart for justice and for all things to be reconciled. And so this group of men and women are sitting in a space and holding hard conversations about how do we as a church live more deeply and more faithfully into God's heart for reconciling all things. And then the last thing I will say is this idea of pastoral care and support. Um, you get access to some of these things, things like doing a retreat for uh uh, Macarius and our partnership in the DR, um, but there's also things that you and your participation allow us as a staff to do, things like uh, a beloved retreat for our uh, partnership with Beloved here, a local retreat that we have, group of women who are working in the rehabilitation world, helping women get out of prostitution and the complexity of that. Uh, it's a residential two-year program. You fail more often than you succeed in those spaces, and to be able to bless um, and support the women on staff there. Your giving gives them one counseling session a month for their entire staff, and then we take them away for an overnight retreat at the end of this month and just pour into them. A few weeks ago, was able to do the same uh, in Germany with student ministry that is over there, college ministry, and to be able to pour into the, those men and women who are doing such amazing faithful work and the difficulty and the challenge of that, and to be able to extend hospitality and grace and kindness in those spaces. We do the same with another partnership called Promise 686, which is working in the adoption and foster care industry. And in January, we're gonna lead a retreat for them. Um, and then there's this endless Zoom calls. Um, I'm on regular pastoral Zoom calls with people who are doing mission work all over the world. Um, I was doing pre-COVID Zoom uh, counseling and pastoral care like five, six years ago. So when COVID switched into that world, I was like, oh, this is, I've been staring at a screen for a long time for people who can't get on a plane, you know, and people who it's hard um, to travel to us or me to them. And technology is an amazing blessing. So that is a quick overview of, I think, just the good things that are happening in the life of our church, the faithful way that you all and your giving and your support and your encouragement and your participation is blessing the socks off of people in our city and overseas. Um, I think it's 11 different countries are in support, uh, get, receiving support from you. It's like nine different ministries overseas. It's about 12 now locally at some level are being blessed and supported through the work that you do. And y'all, on Sundays, it's really hard to highlight those, right? We have minimal space in those spaces. And really our space is at announcement time, which you can raise your hand. Um, I know I can see your faces. 
I also have children, so I know what zoning out looks like. Um, and so I love the fact that a member meeting can be a place in which we get to highlight these things and to, to land and spend a minute. Um, because these are the things that should hopefully warm our heart, um, but also these are the things that we want you to go and to tell people about. And we want you to spread the word in terms of the good work that God is doing. So he's doing that good work and generosity. Addie, why don't you come up and we're going to celebrate what's happening um, from a sense of community and connection. Thank you, Marty. I don't know if you knew, but that is my favorite song. Is that why you played it? I don't you what? Oh, because of softball. <laughs> I actually do really love that song. I texted Marty because I remembered at meetings, member meetings long ago that we did walk-up songs. So at the beginning of this meeting, I texted him and said, where are the walk-up songs? And right after I sent the text, I was like, oh, no, I'm speaking. So I've been nervous about what song was going to be picked. Um, but anyways, I'm Addie Norman, and I am the groups and hospitality pastor. If I have not gotten to meet you, I would love to meet you and put a face to your name. Um, but I have the privilege tonight of just celebrating what has been happening in terms of like connection and community at our church. So as I've talked about a few times during announcements, when we say church, I think so often we think about this building or Sundays, and even Sundays, as important as they are, and they are important, but it's such a small fraction of what it means to be the church, because to be the church is a body of believers that um, all share the same purpose of building God's kingdom on earth. And it's actually a calling that is like for the whole of my life, not just Sunday morning, and for the whole of your life. So being the church involves like all of us and how we do that as a community and together. And so as staff, what our hope is is to provide like on-ramps and structures for you guys to be able, for our church to be able to practice being the church, to practice living out those five core commitments. Um, the hope being that it would then overflow to the world around us. So um, I want to celebrate you guys because we can do all the structures and all the planning, but it's all for nothing if there's not the like vulnerable and brave participation of people in our church. And when I think about the past year, um, you all have participated in really wonderful ways. And so I'm excited to get to celebrate that for a few minutes. And so I want to celebrate a few different things. The first is teams, which have already been mentioned, but a little over a year ago, we rebranded the way that we talked about volunteering here at Trinity. And I think a part of that was just because we didn't feel like the word volunteer was like quite the right word. And why is because we feel like it's more like this idea of home ownership um, that you guys, if you call Trinity home, you get to be like a part of actually making church happen, um, making church happen both on Sundays and beyond. And so that is where our teams come in. We have the worship team, kids team, youth team, hospitality team. I think there's seven teams. Um, and we needed, we need like hundreds of people to make church happen. And you guys have responded and amazing ways. Um, so that is worth celebrating. Um, the second thing I want to celebrate is neighborhood groups. Like Chris said, there's around 600 people in neighborhood groups. And I do feel like I just want to say that at members meetings, we always throw out a lot of numbers. And our hope is not just to 
become bigger and bigger. But I think numbers are really reflective. They're reflective of people and they're reflective of like an energy and an excitement for things. And so I feel like this number and this map that um, Katie Watford made is really cool. That is like all the people involved in neighborhood groups. Um, each little circle um, is representative of a person. And what's so amazing about that number is I think that it's evidence that we see the fact that church is more than Sundays. And I just want to go back in time a little bit to COVID because I think some of the increase in participation in neighborhood groups is because COVID being obviously a very trying time, I, I do think one of the beautiful things God did in that season for our church was he reminded us that church is not just what happens on Sunday. We couldn't meet for many months, and yet church continued. And truly, since then, our amount of participation in neighborhood groups has increased and increased, um, which I think is a really beautiful thing. And neighborhood groups are kind of like a mini-shrunk church where we get to practice the core commitments. We get to practice um, being the church. And so I asked our neighborhood groups to kind of share some different stories, and I want to read um, one of these just someone telling about her neighborhood group. And why I love this story is because I feel like it's just a reflection of like the ordinary day-to-day -day living out our life together as a, as a community. And so um, she said, our neighborhood group has given us the opportunity to truly live in community with our neighbors around us. We quickly established that we wanted to be needy towards each other, something that feels so countercultural to most things we do. Because we embraced neediness, our group has been the first call and response team too, and then she names a bunch of things. She says, a heavy piece of equipment needing to be moved from a garage to the street, and all the guys pitched in to help. One person in the middle of a move with family emergencies going on led to the silliest packing and moving party one could ever participate in. One person jumping off a dead car and another providing gas cans to fill it up. Someone's fridge breaking and storing all their perishable food in our fridge with a nightly routine of coming over to get whatever they needed for dinner that night. Having a group of people to ask, who has an egg we can borrow? Who has a lime we can borrow? It's been the sweetest and most life-giving gift to experience what it means to live in community. I have no doubt that this is how God intended life to be, living life with others, especially the people living right around us. Um, so I think that is a representation of um, what is happening in a lot of neighborhood groups. And side note that I want to say is to be willing to bring your neediness to other people and be willing to sit with other people in their neediness is hard work. Um, we're messy humans, right? And I think a lot of that is because um, we all have our own stories of woundedness and harm and um, places that we need the like deep and true and healing love of Jesus for. And so story groups have been mentioned a few times and that is like the work of story groups is to be these safe places to um, allow the Lord to enter into those places in our stories and to bring his healing work. And why I mention that now um, is because I think there's a lot of fruit happening from story groups at Trinity, but I think one of the fruits is that I think it leads to or it should lead to more, a more robust expression of community as we seek healing in our own life and are able to bring um, our self more fully to the people around us. Um, I think there have been 
around 60 people in story groups and like around 100 that have participated um, in both story groups and the workshops and retreats. Is that, are those numbers right? 112, I think is what I read. 112. Um, but anyways, that is so um, worthy of being celebrated. And then the last thing I want to celebrate is joy. Um, here's a little quiz to see how well you have all have been listening. Um, we, our mission at Trinity, is that we exist to be what? <laughs> that was amazing. More people knew than I thought. Um, a joyful community of disciples. And we were really intentional with that word joyful. And as a staff, we like really, especially this past year, wanted to really lean into joy. And I want to celebrate the fact that I think we've done that really well as a church. Um, starting with, like Chris mentioned, the 20th birthday celebration, there was like a cake off in a moonwalk and it was so much fun and we've had our monthly second Sunday potlucks and monthly trivias and we've had our softball league the 15th year of Trinity softball hence the song I guess um so yeah just a lot of joyful things going on and one thing I want to end this is what I'll end with one story that's one of my favorite moments of the past year here at Trinity was our Christmas Eve dinner um, as um, Christians, Jesus talks about how we are adopted as sons and daughters of God. And in doing so, we are brought into a new family. Um, and therefore, I belong to you guys and you belong to me in a way that is as profound as I belong to my own brother. And I think in our Western culture, we don't live into that well. I know that I don't live into it as well as I think God intended for us. Um, and I think we have a lot of room to grow. But as we were thinking about Christmas, we were like, a lot of times we kind of reserve holidays as family time. So we were like, well, if Christmas, if holidays are for family, then we need to be celebrating together. So we decided to have a big Christmas Eve dinner and we invited you all. And we wondered if like, I mean, truly, we were like, maybe 10 people will show up, maybe 20 people will show up. And we were so excited. We had to close registration. It was like 200 people that signed up and we crammed into the gym down there and our facilities team strung Christmas lights all throughout the rafters. And we had a candlelit dinner. We turned out all the lights. We had long banquet tables kind of similar to this with garland and candles um, and a majestic potluck feast. I mean, this was a great feast, but it had nothing on Christmas Eve, so y'all need to come Christmas Eve. But it was just so lovely and beautiful. And then fast forward a few months to Easter, and I heard of two different families in our congregation, and there probably were more, but these were the two I heard of. Two different families who decided to open up their homes to anyone that did not have a place to land on Easter. Um, and I think both of them had like 20 or 30 people at their house celebrating Easter with them. And I love that visual because the hope is, is that with these like structures, like neighborhood group and different things we do as a church would be like our practice ground. Like it would be where we practice these core commitments. And the hope would be that we would be shaped into the kind of people that love and generosity and forgiveness and repentance, all these things we practice together would like ooze out of us to the world around us. Um, and that Atlanta would look different because of the church should look different because of the church. And as we pray so often together, um, may God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, in Atlanta as it is in heaven. 
And that's our prayer. And so thank you guys for participating in that. Dave. Nailed it, everybody. Amazing. Hey, I want to invite the entire kids and youth team to come on up here. Come on up. Let's go. Party, you exceeded my expectations because I wrote down what I thought was going to be the song you were going to put on for me, which I'm really glad it wasn't. It was Barney, and I'm really glad you didn't do that. <laughs> Friends is way better. Y'all, um, if we haven't met, I'm Dave McCune. I'm Kids and Youth Discipleship Pastor here. And we have an amazing team. One person missing from our team is Haley, who's our youth pastor, Haley Naylor. She's actually doing her job right now. She's out with a, a group of high school girls. They have a dinner club, and they had had this on the books for a long time, even planning ahead further than us, which is amazing. So she's doing incredible work out there. So I'm going to introduce you to some, some amazing folks. Can you all just tell us your name? and what you do around here. So I'm Katie Osi. I'm the kids pastor. Hi, I'm Allie Denovan. I help out on Sundays with kids admin. I'm Katie Bergeron and I am the kids coordinator. So um, for all volunteers, you get your scheduling requests from me. So thank you. I'm Maurice Massey and I'm the youth coordinator. And uh, this team has grown a lot in the last year. So I think a year ago, none of these folks were permanent or even here. So this is, this is just amazing. Thank you for giving to this church. It allows us to hire a team, and it is so, so helpful. I want to highlight these two ladies in the middle of what they do because it's so often unseen. You may not know the amazing work that they do. Um, Allie, as a host for us down at Kids Admin, is often the first person on staff that somebody meets when they visit our church for the first time, when they're in a pretty vulnerable spot. When they're, they've got three ankle biters walking in with them, trying to figure out where to go, where do I land, what's the check-in procedure, what do I do? And Allie is there to welcome them um, and to lead our admin team back there. Right alongside Katie B, as we have Katie O and Katie B, we have two Katie W's. We, we had a Katie S who rolled off staff. It's, it's wild times. Um, but Katie Bergeron, I just want to say you are a gift of God's grace to us. Y'all, if you don't know this lady, she, yeah, please say thank you. She is an incredibly um, a weighty position um, that it goes unseen a lot. She schedules our volunteers week in, week out for kids, um, for Trinity Kids, which has gone from 120 volunteers pre-June, and since KDO has come on, to 180 now. So just you numbers people. It's amazing. Thank you. Or even upward of that. But... What um, KDB does, um, often on Saturday nights, trying to find folks to fill those rooms. And since so many more of you have stepped up, it really helps her job out. It's a, it's a huge relief to her, but you do such a good job handling that so that our kids can be cared for um, and discipled. And so we're just so thankful. So y'all two can sit down. And uh, thank you so, so much. Um, with, with our kids, I know you had a lot of numbers thrown at you tonight. There's some that are really exciting that for us just shows that there's really good stuff happening here. One of the big ones is for our kids, um, we've experienced 25% growth over the last year. And we are up at, we are about to pass, if we haven't yet, um, our pre-COVID numbers for kids. So that's like fifth grade on down, which is just incredible. Um, and what that translates to as a church body is our kids are now 30% of 
uh, who comes in here on a Sunday, so kids and youth together, 30%. Most churches are 15%, or the average, the national average. So we are double um, a young church. And we think that that's a really, really healthy thing. A church that's growing young um, has lots of signs of health, a lot of energy, a lot of joy um, around there. So Katie's going to tell us a little bit about kids. Great. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to share a little bit since I've come on sort of what we've been focusing on kids ministry and then what we're looking to um, for the future. So since I've come on in the beginning of June, we've really been focusing on a lot of the foundational aspects of kids ministry. So some of the key pieces with that is specifically making sure that we have safe environments for, their, for our kids. And so that looks like building awareness around some of our specific policies and procedures concerning safety, whether that's um, child to adult ratios, our check-in and check-out policies, um, and onboarding our volunteers so that everyone is on the same page and has the same awareness about the expectations for the safety of our kids um, in Trinity Kids. And then as has been mentioned so many times, onboarding volunteers, which it doesn't get more foundational in kids' ministry than having adults in the classroom with our kids. So we've really been celebrating that. So now that we feel like we've kind of had a little bit more stability in some of these really foundational pieces, we've started looking forward to um, specifically areas concerning curriculum, teaching, and uh, worship spaces that are age-appropriate for our kids and really aligning with our core commitments to think about what does it look like to raise up the next generation of uh, joyful disciples, specifically, you know, in their worship experiences and then the relationships they're building with their peers, but also with caring adults who are modeling what that looks like for them. And so um, it's just been great coming on. We're really excited to see what God's been doing, um, and it's been really fun. So, yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. You're dismissed, KDO. So we got Maurice left. Thanks. Yeah. Maurice. Um, so Maurice, uh, I asked him to share just an anecdote about what we are up to in youth land, um, because what you might see here, even if you see students here, that's such a small bit of what happens with Trinity Youth. So we do meet here on Sundays. One of the exciting things recently to share with you is that up until a couple months ago, on Sunday mornings, we had an environment for students that went all the way, it was sixth grade through 10th grade in one room in our youth room, if you've been back there. If you haven't, that's it's a great corner. It's a joyful corner, corner of this, this complex. Go check it out. But we were busting out. We uh, ran out of chairs. We had to go steal more chairs, and that's a really good problem to have, we think. Um, so just a month ago, we opened up new space in the, our old church offices behind the upper cafe, and that's now a high school space for our younger high school students on Sunday mornings, which is just so cool. Um, it's, it's great to have. Uh, it's an awesome sign of growth when kids, first of all, they want to be engaged in a thing and they have their own space, and so we can dial in the conversations um, a little bit better to a high school student versus like, you know, from a sixth grade boy to a 10th grade girl, it's a lot of life experience in between. So we're, we're grateful for that. So we have that, but we've done a lot, man. We've done a lot in the last couple of years. If you hung out in a, in a year in Trinity Youth, you might go rafting on the Chattahoochee or you might pet a llama in Ecuador. You might run, away, run a 5K or run away from bees on the Appalachian Trail. Um, you might have a cook-off. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we have been able to do um, in the context of relationship with caring adults who have compelling faith. That's just something that's so thrilling. So just a snapshot of what's beyond Sunday. I wanted Maurice to share about some fun midweek stuff we've had. Hey, give it up for Maurice, everybody. Yeah, so um, a few months back, we had um, a couple of kids that attend um, one of the local public schools here. Um, we got an invitation to come and do a Bible study. So it started off small with like a couple kids. We'd bring a couple of Chick-fil-A sandwiches and um, meet them on Wednesdays. And 
over time, we've just consistently um, been coming and meeting with those kids on Wednesday, and the group has continued to grow. And we have uh, middle, middle, middle school boys uh, coming at like 7.15 in the morning um, with their Bibles ready and eager to learn about Jesus. And we're just going through the Gospels. And I'm grateful to see, um, to be a part of the vision and to um, be a part of the work that God has. He's definitely um, touching these young people's hearts. And yeah, I'm grateful to be a part of it. Um, we did some animal personality tests and Maurice is our golden retriever on staff with us. And it's true, that's the best one. You don't need to do Enneagram or like Myers-Briggs, just do the animal one. You're like a beaver, a lion, a golden retriever, and an otter. And it's good to have a golden retriever on your team. Nobody out there has an issue. They might be like Dave Haley, like that's not my style, but uh, you should see how people are just drawn to Maurice's kindness. Um, so thanks Maurice, well done. And what's so neat about that story that he just shared is that the vast majority, I think three of those kids of the dozen kids who come call Trinity home. The rest of the kids, I don't know if they have a church home or what, but they're drawn to something. Um, and we're so thankful for that. Um, so to, to tell you about youth, just wanted to let you know a couple um, cool stories. Um, Chris, I loved your story from Linda's Farm of the Rock. Whenever I hike with my kids or with youth, we always make cairns, which are, you know, those piles of rocks um, that remind you of like, hey, you could tell a story when you find that. All the ones I make are pretty much sandcastles on a mountain, like they're going to fall down. Um, but I love the idea of something that you can hold on to. So just some rocks that we hold on to. Um, as a staff and leaders team are, are some of the stories that we hear back from kids. Because what's better than, you know, we could think it's really great. We could talk about these things that we do. But when we hear kids getting a ride home from their leader saying, it's just, I love my church. It's the safest place I know. Or when a kid says, when we ask our kids, where do you feel like you can be the real version of yourself? And overwhelmingly kids say, I can be the most authentic version of myself here. I feel like I can let the mask down. Um, for a kid who started coming around a year ago, who his family doesn't even go to church, started coming with one of our kids, um, who over on the Ecuador trip, he came to Quito two years in a row with us and ran up to find Haley at the end and said, Haley, I just experienced God for the first time. It was real. I just, I, God exists and I really felt God's presence with me. I think that's a real thing. It's so cool. Um, it's the kids who are wrestling with their sexuality, who feel safe to talk about it with us and feel like they can still pursue their faith and ask big questions about things. And they trust their leaders. They trust the church that this Trinity is a safe place where you can do that. We're so touched by that. Um, it's having worship and prayer with our kids. Um, on a recent retreat, we had worship and prayer um, where we played music for about an hour. And we had our team of leaders go and sit with our kids and pray over them and have real conversations and to just see that people are having real experiences with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord. Talk about our core commitment of reconciliation, which is not one I would have expected to be one of the first things with youth. When we were in Quito this past year, we experienced all the core commitments. We experienced being part of a partnership. We experienced the wild joys of just being in a new place, being tourists, experiencing something new together, but then the lows. You get tired on these trips. People can get a little petty. There can be a little drama. And, and our hosts down there, they sensed that there was some tension, and they held a devotion for us, and they went for it. They got bold. And they had us stand in a circle, and they said, some of you um, need to reconcile with each other. And they didn't know just how deep. It wasn't just some petty stuff on the trip. But there were some folks who had some things, like, going years back. And, and they prayed over us and said, all right, now is the chance. You can, we invite you to walk across this circle and go reconcile. Go ask forgiveness of somebody. And nobody moved. 
But then somebody was brave, went first, and then for the next half hour, it was tears, it was people hugging, people asking um, forgiveness, people giving forgiveness. Um, it was an incredible moment where the Holy Spirit was there and kids could walk out and say, like, I felt the Lord was there and it moved me forward in my walk with the Lord. So I'm just so thankful to be part of these things and to share it with you just so you get a little glimpse in of what's happening with our young people. Um, one more thing I want to share that I just think is incredible. We've got family worship coming up next week uh, where kids kindergarten and older would be in here. And just so you know, like, it matters to those kids a lot. And if, if you see kids in here, please say hey. Offer a little fist bump, a high five, get to know their name. Last year, there were two kids at our December family worship when Brad was preaching that after it, both of them, nine-year-old boys, um, wanted to be baptized. They asked their parents about it. And one kid said, when I am with the church, I feel like I'm with a great big family. And, and it's, these are my people. And this kid, I got to sit in the, uh, the baptism preparation class from him and to hear him talk about his faith and work it out. Uh, at that age. So beautiful. And so it means something. Um, your worship, our community, it means something. It, it speaks a message to kids that words can't even use. So we're just so thrilled to be part of this, the, the formation of young people, their discipleship. And all this is amazing, but, and, and numbers are great, but the thing that I'm most encouraged about is we actually have the humans in the room, the adults with caring, with caring adults with compelling faith there for them to be in a circle, to be seen and heard. So, it, hey, if you lead with us, can you raise your hand? If you're a kids or youth leader, that's a lot. I mean, that's amazing. We really believe in a value that we call sticky faith, which is state faith often sticks. And this might be your story too, that you can look back to your formative years and say there were five or more caring adults in my life who had compelling faith, who felt like they knew me they knew my story and they could invite me. In youth, we talk all the time about belonging and invitation, that those are, those are the two pieces of what we do. We want a place where you feel like you belong, empathy without condition, but also we want to invite you to the next step. And that doesn't happen without you leaders in the room at whatever stage along the way. So it's not just that we have numbers, but we actually have the leaders in place who are going to be inviting our kids in the next step in their faith. So y'all, thank you so much for being there and for supporting this ministry. Um, Brad, come on up. Thank you. Um, Dave McCune, you and your team are an unbelievable blessing. Uh, I mean, I, this, like I have a vested interest because I got three kids who are 8, 10, and 12, and to know that they're in the hands of people who follow Jesus, that's, I think, the only thing I really long uh, for them is that they're able to follow Dave and his team as they follow Jesus. And that's what we are called to do, not just for kids, not just for youth, but for one another. Um, and so you've heard us talk a lot about uh, this night and to celebrate, obviously, some of the things. There's so many more things that are happening in Adrian's world with classes and studies, um, Jason's world with story groups. We could spend an entire evening um, just alone in what's happening in those two spaces. But y'all, thank you for um, celebrating with us tonight. What we'd like you to do just for about five minutes or so is to turn towards one another. Marty, I think there's one last slide there with some questions. Um, I think do the second one. Um, consider both. Take pictures, go home, journal, think about, reflect on the first one for sure. Um, but I think the second thing is just the question of what was celebrated tonight, what stood out to you? Um, and the question about why. Like, what do you suppose that means to you? What would the Holy Spirit have to say to you about why a particular element in the life of the church and the life of our mission over the last year uh, does stand to you? So about five minutes, just look at each other. Um, if you don't know each other's name, maybe start with that as well. Uh, but we'll come back up in just a few minutes.
do that, we're going to have you help us. So um, one of the things that we are uh, going to be doing a better job of around here is the shared ownership. So like potlucks. My, I mean, my dead Baptist grandmother, she wouldn't be thrilled yet, but she will be thrilled with us one day because we're going to learn how to like knock it out of the park when it comes to potlucks. We're also going to break this room down and set it up for Sunday. So as they say, many hands make light work. So there are three things that I want to say. Number one, if you can grab all the plate table settings and bring them and put them up here, either on this cart or at the, at the sta on, on the stage. Is that right? And then if we could pull tablecloths off and stack tables at the back, and then we're going to put the chairs back where they came from. And if we all chip in, it'll probably take us like 10 minutes to do this. So tablecloths where? In the basket, tablecloths, settings here, tables back there, chairs right here. On your mark, set, go. God bless you guys.